Psalm chapter 34. Everybody ready for some word today? And then also Psalm 145. Those two places we want to look at. Psalm 34 verse 8 reads, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Say it with me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. And then Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. Praise God. Today, hope you come ready, hope you come stirred in your heart to receive from the Lord. I want to continue with this series entitled, The Goodness of God in a Very Bad World. Uh, We are trying to clear up the muck and the mire and the confusion and blow away the doubts and put faith back in the Lord's goodness and His plan and purpose for our lives. I tell you what, He doesn't want to ruin your life. He's not here to destroy. Jesus didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Isn't that right? And God is good to you all the time. He's never been bad to you. He's never, he's never been evil to you. And he all, what do we mean good? Well, good does good things. You know, I remember Forrest Gump even said, well, stupid is as stupid does. (laughs) Sorry for quoting that in church. Uh, Lord, I'm glad you're good. Uh, uh, But God wants to do good things in people's lives, and He wants to show Himself strong in us every single day. And so what we're talking about in this series, again, trying to clear the air, because God frequently gets accused of things He had nothing to do with. He, he, he gets accused of, of wrongdoing and evil when he only wants to bring good things to us and bring them into our lives. And so we're talking about how do we reconcile good, good God who's all-powerful and all-knowing and yet very bad world. A lot of bad stuff going on, a lot of tragedy, a lot of suffering, a lot of harm uh, coming on a, uh, on a global level and, and, and on, on a personal level. In individuals' lives. And, and so we've been answering those questions over the last number of weeks. And of course, I won't rehearse all the things that I have said, but I want to take this a step further and, and get us to look at the reality of what is. Um, I, I began sharing with you reasons why. Why does stuff happen? And even though we know why things happen, because we've covered it, of course, why things happen in the world as a general rule, what about when they come to us? I mean, hey, I'm a believer. Hey, I love God. I have a relationship with Him. I have my sins forgiven. I have eternal life. What about if something comes to my door? And what if... What about those, even believers now, who, ha- who have been unable for some reason to get things to go away or to get bad things to stop, to get the goodness of God to show up? See, there are reasons why these things happen and why things don't happen. 
And that's not something we have to wonder about. And it's not some mystery that God holds in His hand. He's given us His Word. He's given us the Spirit of God who is the truth revealer. And so we can know why. We can know how. And we can know when. And, and, and we can experience God again and again and again. I want to get into another reason here today why, why stuff's going on. Why Uh, tragedy strikes, why suffering takes place, even in the life of someone who loves God, who is called according to his purpose, and and these type of things. Now, this is going to seem to some, again, very simple, but I think what many of us have done is we've taken simple concepts, simple Bible truths that we may have known, we've disconnected them from real life experience. And when we see the connections, this message is really not that deep. Uh, It's really not that complex. It's easy for all of us to understand and walk in the goodness of God. Everybody ready for this one now? All right, I'm trying to build you up and stir you up so that when I say it, you don't go, oh, that. (laughs) And it's the reason I'm not reviewing either. I'm not reviewing last week's point or the week before because I don't want you to hear it in a sentence and think, oh yeah, I got that now. No, if you didn't hear it, you don't got it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you may have known it before. I'm not saying that you don't know things that I haven't taught you, but but there's there's a benefit to hearing the whole thing. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about this point today. It is called failure to resist the devil. Failure to resist the devil. This is a very big reason why a lot of junk is going on in people's lives. It is a simple simple failure to resist the devil. Now, I know we live in a day and an age where there's a lot of people aren't even sure if there is a devil. <laughs> I mean, if surveys bear out anything, a lot of people, they're not sure if this whole devil thing is real. And then others, others of course, you know, say, well, there might be a devil. And, he, you know, I've seen him with the pitchfork and the red tail. And, and they got some ideas there that are totally false, totally inaccurate. But there is a biblical reason why tragedy strikes and why suffering persists in people's lives. And that is they have not learned or are not acting on what they've learned to resist the devil. It's interesting that many ministers will talk about adversity, write great volumes, books, or uh, uh, fill the shelves of trying to explain suffering and tragedy. And many of these expositions of this subject don't even mention the devil. It's all about God. I mean, amazing. It's all about God's plan and about His purpose and about His power and about His sovereignty and about His will. And the devil is not even mentioned. The interesting thing about that is that is not consistent with Scripture. It's not consistent with the way that Jesus ministered and and worked with people that there would be zero acknowledgement of an enemy of a force that would come to try to destroy men's lives. But yet, some, sometimes today, I know part of it's because people have gotten in the ditch on the other side of the road, and everything, every other word out of their mouth is the devil. And so that kind of makes other people back off, and then it's just totally not in the conversation whatsoever. But this is a real Bible truth. There is a person, and really if you study Scripture, there are demons as well, that do his bidding. And they are 
here to ruin your life. I mean, this is just present tense reality. And if we don't learn how this works and what we can do to stop it, understand we'll suffer consequences, but it still doesn't have anything to do with God. All right? And so why is it then when tragedy strikes there's only talk of God? Are we unaware of Scripture? Do we not realize that that Jesus knew of the devil's existence and his involvement with people and on a regular basis had to confront those actions and those attacks against people's lives? See, that makes me think, if, if the Lord Jesus himself had to deal directly with an enemy that would attack people and even himself in temptation, then if I am never running into him, if I am not dealing with this force, then there's a real strong possibility that I am being overcome by it and not even be fully aware that I'm being beat up. Someone says, I've never really run into the devil. Well, sometimes that's because you're going the same direction. (laughs) You might want to turn around and go the other way. You'll, You'll find some opposition in life. You'll find some opposing force when you're doing good things, you're going the right way, and and you're being led by the Spirit of God, okay? But I know this, that He can and should be a non-issue with us because of His defeat. But with many people, He is a non-issue more because of their lack of understanding and knowledge of His existence. And so, never is this in the discussion Never is it a consideration when, when tragedy strikes or when opposition is presenting them in life. Understand some basic uh, concepts, adjectives about the devil. He's a troublemaker. This is real. He's a, he's a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He's a destroyer. He's an accuser. He's, uh, again, he's a deceiver. He's a tormentor. He, he brings evil of all kinds. This is presently happening in the world today on a mass scale. The enemy is at work. And for us to be ignorant of that is to our own demise. For us to be uh, not engaged in an active resistance is to our own demise. We've got to know what's really going on. People sometimes are called evil. Sometimes a, uh, a, a murderer or a mass murderer. Someone, you know, we could call out names of people who have done atrocious things in modern times, in history. And usually they're described as just evil. Just pure evil. Sometimes people will, will only describe individuals that create uh, a lot of suffering and harm and destruction in people's lives, they'll only describe it from a, a mental health issue. And they'll say, this person is mentally unstable. That's why they committed these acts. This person is, you know, have, they, have, they have this condition, and there's, of course, names for everything. And uh, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have names for, for things of that nature, but I know this. There are no people who are doing great harm and damage to others. There are none of these, quote, evil people that are just evil all by themselves. What I mean by that is people are under the influence of the devil. 
And many of those who are locked up in institutions because they can't control themselves and they have severe mental problems that cause them to harm other people. It's not just about a wire was crossed in their brain. It's not just about some chemical imbalance. And I'm not saying those things don't exist. But I'm saying there is the author of death. There is an evil force in the world. He's called the devil. And with his cohorts, messes with people, messes with their minds and with their lives. And so much of what we see going on in the world today is directly tied to the evil one, to the devil. And for us to be unaware of that, I think uh, we're, we're too simple-minded. We think, well, this is just this condition. It's because of the, it's because of the influence of Satan. Listen, I realize that, that even when you talk about sickness and disease, not every sickness or disease is a direct result of a demonic presence. But in the big picture, all sickness and disease comes from the result of the devil. It was never here when God was running the show. Hmm. And so... When we talk about these these things, it's it's not only that the devil is involved with things like murder and 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 rape and that kind of evil activity, but also sickness and poverty and sin and death and and all this stuff. These are the works of the devil. They're not the works of God. Now, let, let me show you a few scripture. I, I've been talking here, and you, you might want to know if things are in the Bible. Uh, some of these verses are very well known. Look at John chapter 10. John, the 10th chapter. See, I find that many times we know Bible verses, but somehow there's a disconnect then if we're personally dealing with something in life and we want to say, God, why? God, how come? What is the deal here? When it's unrelated, and if we only applied the verses that we knew, that we've heard a hundred times, many of us, then we could see, I don't need to talk to the Lord about this. This is not in my conversation with Him. This is irrelevant. John chapter 10 and verse verse 10. Jesus had said here, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Okay, now watch. Is there any killing, stealing, destroying going on in the earth today? Has anyone in here, you don't need to respond, but have you ever experienced any stealing, killing, or destroying as far as against your life in any way? Okay, where did that come from? Jesus said the thief does that. And he contrasted it with his own life. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Right? So there's a direct contrast with what, with what God wants to do in your life and with what the thief wants to do in your life. One person wants to kill, steal, and destroy. The other wants to add life and make your life amazing. Everybody with me now? Okay. And, and so that simple, uh, that simple understanding applied to life, we can, we can start to interpret real quick, real easy. What's going on? Okay, this is the devil, man. This is God. This is the devil. This is, this is of God. Everybody with me? Okay. And, and we don't have to be confused. And if something's not of God, why would he even talk to God about it? We'll say, well, God's got to do something about the devil, even if it's of the devil. Well, hold on to that. We'll come back to that thought in just a moment. Jesus, now, this is going back to an earlier part of my message a little bit. We talked about some of these truths. Let me throw these two scriptures at you. 
John 14.30, Jesus said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The who? The what of this world? The ruler of this world is coming. Who's that talking about? That's talking about Satan. You know, Jesus in multiple places, in addition to those scriptures we already read, but he referred to Satan as the ruler of the world. That's a wild concept, isn't it? Another, another scripture very similar is John 16, 11, says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That's talking about Satan again, but he's referred to by the Lord Jesus himself as the ruler of the world. As the ruler of the world. And yet with all the stuff going on, all the things happening, when stuff comes our way and we immediately go to God about it, I think we might be going to the wrong place. So if God can't do anything about it, then who can? Well, that's why we're talking today. Why don't you look over with me at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter, the 5th chapter. Say amen when you got it. Say O me if you don't. Say double O me if you've been coming to church here very long and you still don't have a Bible. Say triple O me if you're just being lazy reading off the screens. <laughs> Those are for the new folks, all right? New folks, read the screens. Old folks, know God yourself. Amen. Don't let yourself be lazy. Know your, know your word. Know the scripture. First Peter chapter 5. And verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, who? Well, the devil's not real. Well, they thought he was. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, notice that language, because this is uh, one of the things that the enemy is doing, one of the things that Satan is doing. What is he doing? Well, his end, goal, his end result, his end desire is to devour Well, that doesn't sound too good, does it? (laughs) He wants to devour your life, your health, your finances, your marriage, your your sanity, your uh, your your satisfaction and fulfillment. Let's just just eat you up, man. Just devour. But notice the language. He is looking for opportunities. He is seeking whom he what may devour. In other words, apparently there's not just an opportunity to devour at will. Whoever he wants to, at any time, any place, that he can just swoop in and take people out and eat them up and mess them up. No, he's looking for permission. He's looking for opportunity. He's looking for a way in. You know, it's like if you ever gone house house hunting, house shopping, and so you started driving around maybe and just looking at the in a neighborhood that maybe you liked and you saw the maybe some real estate signs or saw new construction and and so what do you do? Well, I don't know what you do, but you get out and you go up and you wiggle on the door and then you look in the, in the, the cover over the electrical outlet right there by the door because that's where they hide the key. <laughs> Doesn't everybody know that? <laughs> anyway, and then you go around, you check the garage and you check the different places because there's nobody there anyway and you want to see the house, right? <laughs> Now, now if people live there, no. <laughs> then you just look in the windows. <laughs> Is that illegal? Am I indicting myself? <laughs> I don't do that. 
I've just heard of someone who did that before. I'm not house shopping. Anyway, what are you looking for? An open door. I'm looking for an opportunity to get in there and, and, and look around in that case. But the enemy is looking for opportunities in your life. Know that this is just the case. It will be for as long as you're on planet Earth. He's looking for opportunities to destroy you, to devour you. Okay, how can I keep that from happening? Say, well, he's been successful in my life. Well, okay, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking, because God is good. And he wants to give us the understanding, the equipping, the knowledge of how to avoid those situations, how we can keep all the doors locked. Amen. How we can not hide any keys where the enemy knows uh, where, where they're at. Okay, and so I know there's this idea, but people say, well, the enemy can only do what God allows. That, that's, not, that's not true. That, that, that's not the case, that, that Satan can only do. Some people have had this idea that, that Satan is almost carrying out God's work. Because God's good and he doesn't want to get involved in bad stuff, yeah, he just sicks the devil on you. You know, sick him, get him. And he opens the door for, for the devil to devour his children's lives. Now think about that. See, that's just silly. Say, well, he can't do anything for God allows him. That's not the case. That's not the case. He can't do anything for what, but for what people allow him. And this is a truth that we have to understand. We are either giving place or we're resisting. We're, we're either giving place, yielding, giving opportunity, or we are resisting the attacks, the, the, the work of the devil. If we're not resisting, we're giving opportunity. If you've never had to, if you've never stood your ground and said, absolutely not, I will not, you will not, this will not be this way, then I would venture to say you've given permission. Now, it may have been ignorantly, may have been unknowingly, may not have intended to do that, but that's one of the biggest reasons why people suffer, okay? We talked about that already, is the lack of knowledge. They don't know how things work. They don't know about the spirit realm, the kingdom of God, the principles and the laws that govern it. But the more we understand, the more we recognize when something happens, this is what I do in this situation. This is what I do in this kind of situation. How many know, even if you talk about prayer, sometimes people just say, well, just pray. Well, what kind of prayer? Do you know the Bible talks about many different kinds of prayers? There are many different prayers. Some are applicable to various situations and, and circumstances. But if you use the wrong kind of prayer in the wrong situation, it's like using a football to play basketball. You know? Trying to, trying to make a basket. What well, dude, wrong, wrong ball there. <laughs> wrong equipment for that, uh, for that game, for that sport. And sometimes when it comes to spiritual activity, people have knowledge of certain things, but they're applying the wrong tool. They're using the wrong equipment for the cer- certain circumstance they're in. And when we recognize what the enemy is doing, we know what specifically we are to do. Praise the Lord. All right, go to Colossians chapter 2. And let me show, let me show you uh, just a couple of verses on the enemy's defeat. See, we're either giving place now. If we are, if we're given place to the devil, then we're either doing it through ignorance or we're, or we're giving place through cooperation with. In other words, he entices, he gives an opportunity, and we walk along with that. But many times, I believe, well, people are on both sides of this, but a great number of people are just doing this because of ignorance. They're yielding to the devil. They're cooperating. They're giving him place, not because they're a bad person, not because they're just, they're trying to be, you know, they're not devil worshipers or anything like that, uh, but they're giving place through ignorance, and that's what we have to change, okay? 
They give place to ignorance because of, uh, through involvement in and or defeat of. All right. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. This is talking about Jesus and what he did. It said, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, this is talking about when Jesus died on the cross, went to hell, and defeated Satan. What did he do? Here's the language, biblical language. He disarmed principalities and powers. In other words, the devil had a weapon. The devil had, a, had some ammunition. But Jesus went and took it away from him. Yeah, I mean, think about if you're going to war, if you're going to battle, and the enemy, all of a sudden, right before the battle, they lose all their ammunition, all their weapons, and they're just standing out there, and you've got all the firepower. How many know everyone on your side's in a real good mood? Real good mood right now. It's like, well, this is easy. We are laughing. They don't have any weapons. They don't have any ammunition. That's the way Satan is. That's literally this guy, this lying, deceiving fool who is messing up people's lives all over the planet... He is powerless. He is so defeated. He is so weak. But people are either ignorant of his operations or they're deceived into thinking that he can, that he's able, that he's, he's, he's got some stuff to destroy them. And the belief that he does gives him access. Or the lack of opposition because of ignorance, that gives him access. But let's see what's true. Jesus defeated the devil. He whipped that dude. He, did, he, he beat him up in his own backyard. Uh, he, he destroyed principalities and powers. This is the finished work of the cross. One of these days, I tell you what, we are going to see things in all their fullness without obscurity at all. And we're going to see Satan and say, you've got to be kidding me. He is the one who caused all this suffering. He is the one who deceived the nations. This is, and we're going to think, wow, wow. If I only would have known, I would have understood like Jesus and how Jesus cast out spirits with the finger of God. Would have had a proper perspective and I would have ruled and I would have reigned in life over all this junk. Amen. Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. So Jesus disarmed him. This is right before now Jesus went to uh, be in heaven, to be seated at the right hand of the Father. In Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Someone say, well, what do you mean all authority has been? He already had that. Apparently not. <laughs> he had to have been given that authority. Where did he get that authority? Well, it was man's authority that was lost through sin. Jesus retrieved it back through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he stripped the devil. He removed him, relieved him of his weaponry. What is that weaponry? It is the right to dominate people. It is the power, the ability, the authority to rule people's lives. Jesus took it away. He took his badge. He deauthorized his swipe card. Come on now. He took the keys away from him. Now he can't get in. He's running around the house hoping someone leaves the door open. huh? Looking for an opportunity to get in. But he doesn't have the keys anymore. He does, he's not authorized to be there. He doesn't have the little lockbox code. Right? 
All that's been removed from him. So the only way he can devour people's lives is by finding an open door. Seeking whom he may devour. Revelation 1.18 said, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus said here, I have the keys of Hades and of death. You got the keys? He's got the keys. And how many know uh, what the Lord did in all, in all this stuff? It, man, I, this I'm kind of this is kind of like what do you call that? Cliff notes of the big deal here. Uh, I have teaching that's in, in great length on the authority of the believer. I've just given you a, a smidget here. But Jesus turned those keys over to the church. Now the church is authorized. Now the church is not only powerful, authorized, but they are responsible to exercise their authority. We must do something with the victory that's been won, or the enemy will walk right over us. Amen. Go to James chapter 4. See, the dominion that he obtained... that's the devil now, to rule this world was taken away from him and given to the church. Say, well, why does Jesus call him the ruler of the world? Why why does 1 John say that the whole earth, the whole world is under the control of the evil one? It's not done justly. It's not done legally. It's not right. It's not God allowing it to happen. It's happening illegally. It's happening because of the ignorance of and the lack of implementation of the body of Christ to use the authority in the name of Jesus and the Word of God. When we rise up and we take our place and recognize what's been entrusted to us, we will stop Him from moving in us and those around us. We will take the dominion that was supposed to be ours from the beginning when Adam said, when God said, let us make man in our own image, let them have dominion. Amen. And so, just like a police officer, uh, how many know, must enforce the law or criminals will, will run wild. Even though the laws exist, even though they're on paper, even though there are, there are laws that govern, uh, people, you know, stealing and murdering and all this kind of stuff. If there's no enforcement, bad people will do bad things. How many of you, how many of us? No, no, let me change that. How many of you (laughs) would drive 95 down the freeway if it weren't for some cars that show up now and then? What, what? It is the enforcement of those laws that keep people in line. Now think about that. We're not the devil. Uh, I don't care how bad you think you are. You're not that bad. Listen, but enforcement must take place or he will run wild over every child of God. Every born-again, spirit-filled, empowered, authorized son and daughter who have been loved, been redeemed, been saved by him. He will run them over and drive them out of this planet. Get them an early ticket to heaven if they allow it. If they do not enforce his defeat. He's a crook looking for an opportunity to break the law. James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from God. Huh? Resist the devil. 
pray to God that God would stop him from ruining our lives. No. He said, you, you submit to God. We are to, to lay our lives voluntarily down to the will and plan of God. But then what are, we, what are we supposed to do? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He'll flee from us. When we resist, he, what does he do? He flees. Say it out loud. When I resist, the devil flees. Yeah. We read that earlier, First, uh, you know, First Peter 5, 8. About how he's seeking whom he may devour. The very next verse says resist him steadfast in the faith. Very next verse says resist him. Said he's going out seeking whom he can claim their clock. He wants to ruin lives. Resist him. Resist him. Ephesians chapter 4 said give no place to the devil. See there, the New Testament revelation that we have. Is that we are not waiting on God to to protect and keep the enemy away from us, we are now authorized, we are now empowered to do our own standing. And what we so often do, pray to God that He'll get this away from me, pray to God that He'll help get this off of me. Why don't you stand up and tell it to go yourself? Because here's the good news, God will back you up when you do. He's the one who gave you the key. He's the one that gave you the authority. He's the one that gave you the right and told you specifically to do this. What if the police officer pulls over the, you know, the speeder or, or you know, catches a crook and uh, get, stops him there. He's got him there. And he says, hold on a minute. I've got to get on my, my phone here. And he calls up the governor. Or, you know, or he goes and calls, gets, calls the White House. I need to talk to the president. What are you going to do? I, this guy broke the law. What are you going to do about that? Well, they're going to say, did you not learn anything in the academy? Do you not know that that's not the governor's job? That's not the president's job? That's your job? When you catch the crook, you are the one that is supposed to deal with him appropriately? And many times what we see, what, what goes on, is we're dealing with stuff and we recognize, man, this is the devil. And we go to God, deal with this. He's not going to. Not his job. He already turned this over to the church. And every person who believes in him and has his name is to operate and exercise authority. If we do not learn to resist and say, no, I will not, I will not have this, you will not rule in my home and in my body and in my finances, then God doesn't have any place to do anything. Now I realize this is kind of, this is theology messing up for a lot of folks. But I want you to consider these truths. There is so much more. Let me read you one more verse. Luke 10. Luke chapter 10. This is even before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But he, because Jesus was the second Adam, he operated in this authority while he was on the earth. It, in Luke 10, 19, he told his disciples, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now, that's figurative. He's not literally talking about those things unless you live in Arizona. Um, uh, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I mean, think about that statement. You are going to trample on, he's talking about demonic spirits here, talking about the devil. And he, he made this statement, you're going to trample on them because of the authority I've given you. And, watch, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. Uh, think about that language. Nothing. 
I mean, if we only believe that. Nothing, no thing shall by any means hurt you. Wow. Let's say it together. Nothing shall hurt me. Yeah, nothing. He said that. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's been in the Bible the whole time. Man, that can be really annoying. If we've been hurt by a lot of things when Jesus said, no, it doesn't have to happen. You've been authorized to resist this. Stand up against it. Praise God. Amen. Mm. I hope you're getting something good out of this today. Praise the Lord. Jesus regularly dealt with situations where the enemy was effect- affecting people firsthand, up close and personal. You know what his, his response was? He never prayed to God about it. Never asked the Father, would you take this demon out of this dude? No, but Jesus dealt directly with it. He would actually speak to problems. He would speak to demons. You know what he'd say? Come out! He wasn't even nice about it. Yeah, if you've had a little bit of anger welling up, this is your release. <laughs> Don't take it out on people. But when you're dealing with stuff, but sometimes when I'm praying for the sick and ministering to people, sometimes it's just on the inside. I'm not ever aggressive with a person like that. But sometimes I'll be aggressive and I'll say, Come out of him! Why? It's the devil we're talking about. Or, it's, or maybe it's just a disease we're talking about. But we don't have to be nice with that. That's a, it's an enemy to the plan of God. Enemy to God's people. And you just deal with it. I don't mean that these things are moved by a loud voice. We're not trying to do anything like that. But when you know what you have and what you can do and what belongs to you as a child of God, and you know it's your responsibility to deal with the enemy, then you'll rise up and take your place and say no further. Some of you have been having stuff going on in your life, been messing with your finances, been messing with your relationships, messing with your body, and you haven't done this yet. And it might be just because you didn't know, or maybe you forgot, or maybe you've never heard anything like this before. But today, why don't you make this your day where you say, no further. You say, devil, in the name of Jesus, I will not have this. This will not continue in my life, in my family. It stops from this day forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you, then you talk to the Lord and say, thank you. Praise God. You are so good to me. And his goodness flows to your life abundantly. Amen.